Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. I don't know if they still do the coupon or mm. if it's still scannable, but it's still up there. Gotcha. Jeremy White and Bert Deister here with you for uh, Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Last week we did the holiday gift-giving guide, so if you want to check that out, you've, uh, you know, you're about to hit the holiday season, Black Friday has passed, but it is Small Business Saturday. And you guys, you guys have had specials going on both yesterday and today. Yes, and so we've had 10% off beer and wine startup kits, um, and that goes for any 5-gallon, 6-gallon, 1-gallon startup kit is 10% off. But we, late in the week, got an announcement about another sale that's going on that we're allowed to offer you, and that's the Grainfather sale. So Grainfather, for the holidays, just for Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, uh, have kind of given their retailers permission to take 20% off. So instead of $1,000 for the Connect unit, it comes down to about $800. So again, if this is a little thing, if you were looking into getting into homebrew and you have been listening to the show, but you're not going to follow our advice, you're going to go for the all-in-one brew system. This is one of the better ones to go for. Um, maybe this is going to push you a little bit into that $200 off. Yeah, and all. can you lay out exactly, again, what it is? The Grainfather is an all-in-one mash tun kettle. It has an insert mash tun. It's electronic. It's 120 volts, uh, and I believe you can run it on a 15-amp circuit. So this is a kind of brewing system where you hear us talking about worrying about ventilation and you know using natural gas indoors or using propane outside. You can stick this thing on the kitchen table, plug it into the wall, hit the power button, it has full thermostatic control, and you can do all the kind of controls of mash and boil and recirculation and fast chilling through the counter flow chiller that comes with it, comes with the pump, um, that somebody who has spent thousands of dollars on a homemade system or a Blickman system for years and years, that would be me. Um, and I also now own a grandfather. Uh, it works every time, uh, it's easy. I have it all in the original box, so when I'm done, I bring it downstairs, it's put away. Um, some people even keep them underneath their kitchen counter, but you're making five to six gallon batches of all grain beer with a complete system that, again, fits under the kitchen counter. Hmm. And is it is it noisy? Is it loud? Like, how's it? Uh... No, the pump is very quiet. It's breathless. Um, it's an electric heat, so you don't have that kind of, you know, whirling or whooshing of a gas <clears throat> burner. It's quiet. It's efficient. Um, and it's easy at 120 volts. You can plug it in anywhere in the house. Gotcha. So that's like 20% off right now for the grandfather. Got it. That's something you might be in the market for. Uh, other small business Saturday stuff, you said 10% off beer and wine startup kits. Yep. You guys have all the supplies you need. And uh, how about your hop supply these days? Very good. And we have the, all the cryo hops. We have Galaxy, Nelson. So if you're looking for a little bit of stocking stuffers, you know, we don't know that those are going to be around, you know what I mean, all season. So go, come in, grab your brewer, some of those. They might be running around doing holiday shopping and might not have time to come in themselves. So grab them some stocking stuffers if you want. All right. Um, Santas of Swig. We should mention this, by the way. Santas of Swig, a home-brewed fundraiser for the Matt Urban Hope Center. That's mm -hmm. on the way. It's a week from today. It's you next Saturday, it. 1 to 4, Buffalo Ironworks. Uh, ticket price is $20. If you donate an unwrapped toy to receive uh, of $10, you receive 10 free raffle tickets. You can find information on that at Sultans of Swig. Dot com and this is which kind of competition is this this is one this of the is a kind of drinker's choice gotcha and so these are always a really interesting ones so when and you go into a normal competition 
all the beers are kind of trying to hit a historical style or kind of fit themselves into a certain mold. When you have a kind of drinker's choice competition like this, the brewer is left with a completely blank canvas. You can make whatever you want. You can tweak whatever flavors you want. You know, you know, use yeast from one style, malt from another, hops from a different style, and you know, throw in a bunch of pineapple and coconut on top of it if yeah. you want as well. And as long as it tastes really good, it works. You know, so you don't have to worry about style. You just have to worry about pleasing the crowd. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. It's total freestyle for this. And that's yeah, it the makes sa- for different beers, different criteria. It's going to be vastly different than what you see winning regular home This is where you should enter the Crunchberries beer. Yeah. Right? I mean, those. If there was any left. Right. I was going to say, it was, it was popular. It went over well. Mm-hmm. That's the Santas of Swig. You can find that online at sultansofswig.com. Tickets are uh, $20 online. And one more thing before we get into the show, which is the strategy of like what kind of beer you want to make. We should we do a PSA like every Saturday leading up to Christmas and holiday season. If you're gonna buy a startup kit, buy one from you guys. You got it. Don't buy one at you know a big box store. right because the ones that they have there are designed to. It's almost like a novelty gift if you get it from there. It's hey look you can brew your own beer as opposed to you might actually take up yeah. this hobby. And it's the one thing we always tell people is if you get them that kind of novelty <laughs> gift, they'll be lucky to do it once because they usually don't turn out too well in the long run. So if somebody puts all this time, effort, you put all this money into a gift, and in the long run it kind of fizzles out. Where if you get them uh, a traditional homebrew startup kit, if you get them coming into a homebrew shop or talking to a club so they have a support network as well, um, it can be really easy, really fun, and it's a hobby that's going to continue because they see the value in their time and they see the value in their money. They save a little bit of money. Um, it's fun to do, and you get a wonderful product mm-hmm. out of it. So it, it's really a hobby that kind of you know pays forward. Uh, and if it doesn't work out well right from the get-go, it's hard for somebody to kind of see that potential. And in addition to that, like if you have any questions during the brewing process, good luck calling the big box store and asking them, Hey, what happened, or what can I do about this? Whereas with you guys, it's yeah, like call you know, Walmart's you know front desk, <laughs> right, right, and tell them it's been forty eight hours and your yeast hasn't taken. Yeah, I'll have the. Uh, can, I, can I talk to the brewing department, please? Like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, one more thing: the Taste of Buffalo Homebrew Competition. This is actually kind of cool because uh, when the new year hits, from the second to the twentieth, there's a deadline coming, but you can uh, enter a beer to be selected for the. Uh, Taste of Buffalo homebrew competition. Yes, you can. And so this is going to work kind of like the state fair. So if you win, you're going to have the official beer of Taste of Buffalo. Um, there's limited categories. Uh, we'll have a website and kind of some place to send you to take a look at it soon. But it's going to be all light beer categories. And there's going to be a long list of styles. Uh, and the deadline is going to be sometime in mid-January. We are going to be a drop-off location. Uh, there should be more details coming out soon. Um, but that's going to be something that's interesting to look at it's going to be a beer that's served you know throughout buffalo and so if any of your friends say oh i'd like to try your homebrew sometime you said oh did you go to taste of buffalo yeah do you have a beer yeah you had my beer that's pretty good so yeah that's some big bragging rights as would, far as homebrew competitions are concerned we're going to talk beer strategy i wonder if a good strategy would be to think all right the judges of taste of buffalo you know what kind of beer are they going to pick for best in show is it going to be a New England style IPA is it going to be like a more of a rusty mm-hmm. chain, like you know some malty buffalo? Like, should I aim to make it taste like buffalo? Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we've sat into a best of show round now. Mm-hmm. We kind of you know watch what the judges did. So first of all, it's got to be 
really good and really well balanced. Mm-hmm. So whatever style you're entering, you got to hit those marks. But then after that, you're going to have have something that just gives it a little touch, a little bit of separation. You know what I mean from the other beers, like that Schwartz beer had, was this kind of you know you know deep malty notes and you know really kind of almost like molasses mm-hmm. aroma. Uh, it was really the beer that you felt drawn to. So even though it was the biggest <clears throat> beer in that flight, it just had that little something extra. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and all Schwartz beers should have molasses in the aroma, but that one just had a little bit something extra. Well, molasses is a fun thing to use in the brew process. Oh, yeah. it's I, I used it once before in a molasses, uh, a gingerbread porter. And, uh, man, like, do you go to pour molasses out of a jar? That stuff is thick. Yeah. <laughs> like it's incredible the robust molasses or whatever and then it just kind of drops right to the bottom yep yep <laughs> yep and yeah. you're just scraping yeah you got to make sure it doesn't settle down there all right so that's the taste of homebrew uh taste of buffalo homebrew competition which is going to be going on uh again once the taste of buffalo comes around but the entry deadline is coming we'll keep you up to date on that as we find out more over the course of the next couple of weeks and couple of months. So, uh, Small Business Saturday, you guys are open until 4 o'clock today, is that correct? You got it. And then the weekend, back to normal hours, Christmas hours. We are going to be open until 8 o'clock uh, in the evenings and 5 o'clock on Saturday. So, we'll be open uh, a little bit later in the evenings as well as in the couple weeks up to Christmas, we'll start opening up at 10 o'clock in the gotcha. morning. So, so if that's you're trying to slip in uh, and say pick up your online order, so you ordered a startup kit, you ordered those cool hops, you ordered a gift certificate with cardstock online, you can come pick it up in store for no shipping costs. Uh, and always let people know you can always, if you can't make it in, you can get a gift certificate online, you can get this cardstock sent to you, you can get an email or emailable gift certificate, and you're going to get either of those quick. So if you're trying for a last-minute gift idea, we have those as well. nthomebrew.com for uh, all that. To place your orders, pick them up online, or send them right to you, all that good stuff. Uh, We'll get a break in, get to the other side, which is strategy. You're thinking, I want to brew, but what do I want to do? It's kind of like the uh, idea tree of how you settle on your beer, ultimately. So that's coming up next. It is Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Burke Deister with your brewing strategy next. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Okay, ready to talk strategy on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520 with me, Jeremy White, and Bert Deister. So... You strategy want to brew Christmas yeah I think I do so it's you, you got a couple of weeks till Christmas now you got one month and if, especially if you bottle you kind of got the limited time here you need to get one together by the holiday parties um, this is always kind of I think something that brewers want to brew but they don't want to have it sitting around it can always be kind of just like the you know the Thanksgiving beer doing the pumpkin beer can be a double-edged sword you want the brew day 
you don't know if you want to drink 50 spice beers. So you got to put a little strategy into what you want to make um, and what kind of Christmas beer you want to have. Because really, other than the fact that you're going to throw some nutmeg, cinnamon, maybe a little vanilla in there, it's still a beer, and you still have to pick a base style to kind of not only support that spicing, but something that you're going to want to drink. Um, and there's always the kind of, you know, safe bets, you know, stouts, porters, ambers, brown ales, you know, Belgian dark ales. Um, but you can really get creative. I wouldn't suggest trying to make like a Christmas Pilsner or something like that. You generally want to keep with something that has some roasted malts or some toasted malts or maybe some molasses or something like that to kind of give it a little backbone. Um, but you can really get creative with what your definition of a Christmas beer is. Um, but again, when you get back to the strategy, I kind of look at this in kind of two directions here that you can go. You can go for a really high alcohol Christmas beer, or you can go for a really low alcohol Christmas beer. And there's some different benefits and, you know, some different pains going with either. Um, if you want to go for the high alcohol beer, you're going to get to try to age it. So the idea is that you break this out sparingly. Maybe you go for that big, you know, Belgian triple with a lot of dark malts, and you might have some around for the next holiday season, kind of like the same thing with the Thanksgiving beer. In fact, if you, you made your pumpkin beer at Thanksgiving and you brought it and, you know, you didn't go too crazy with cranberry or anything that may really cough it up as a Thanksgiving beer, you can always just break out those bottles again come Christmas, and nobody will know the wiser. Um, this does tend to work best for Imperial Stouts, Belgian Quads, uh, and kind of barley wines, other really big beer. Um, so this beer is going to be meant to be consumed in small quantities. so it's Meant to be sometimes. Meant to be, yeah. yeah. So you should have it around for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. and this is definitely not the beer that you want to keg. Um, even if you have that person over that really likes Christmas beers, do you really want like a 9% Belgian on tap if you have people over at your house? I mean, I'd bring a 9% keg of Belgian to somebody else's house, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I want to serve my house guests that beer. Right. You know, at least not on draft. A couple bottles, that's okay. It's a good limiting factor. But the other thing is, and I can tell you that I spent the weekend dealing with this, I had a beer with star anise in it and cinnamon and a little bit of nutmeg from, I think it was 2010. I've given that thing three citric acid washes, two PBWs, a little bit of an enzyme wash, uh, and then back around to why not. I have some iota four laying around. And I think finally, finally, um, I've gotten the star anise flavor out of there. The stainless steel, the rubber in the kegs is really going to hold these flavors. So any spice beer, wow. you really, if unless you don't plan to have it in there long, if you say, okay, I can keg this a, a week before, I'm going to drink it, all of these two Christmas parties, and then whatever I don't have left, I'll throw through a beer gun, put into bottles. If you're going to be religious about that, it's going to be okay. But if you're like me, Whatever you didn't drink at the Christmas party got kind of shoved into the back of the kegerator, then eventually got moved out of the kegerator and then put behind the fridge. It's not going to be so good anymore. Mm. And beer wasn't sour, but it didn't have the bright kind of, you know, flavors that it once had. It had gotten slightly oxidized. It really wasn't something I was looking forward to breaking out again. Would so you say that the anise is like the number one thing that'll that stick? That to me is the, the number one. You also have root beer. Is pretty good at sticking in there. Cinnamon and stuff like that doesn't seem to be so bad. Vanilla, um, but 
man, that star anise really sticks into kegs. Yeah. All right. So the other option is to go for a low alcohol (laughs) holiday beer and hope everybody drinks it by the new year. Um, This really only works if you or somebody in the household really likes spice beers. Or if, again, you throw that massive holiday party and try to get everybody to drink it all at once. Um, While this seems like the safer bet and hopefully you get rid of all the beer before the holiday season is over, this can often backfire. The beer that's not consumed by the end of the season, uh, it's lower alcohol, you don't have as much hops, you don't, everything's kind of working against you. Even if you beer gun it and you're really good, you know, good about your sanitization, next year if you come across some beers, it's probably going to be sour or at least, again, not have that kind of brightness like the keg that I found that it had when I first brewed it. So watch out. Yeah. Another reason not to keg it, try to go through only what you're going to consume this year. Um, the best base recipes, again, usually kind of, you know, porters, browns, amber ales. Uh, usually you go to English yeast. They produce some kind of nice dark fruit notes of like plum, uh, maybe even like some tangerine in there with some of the, you know, beers kind of works out really well. Um, and, but they also have a soft finish and a really fast fermentation time. And at four weeks to Christmas, if you're trying to get this thing settled so that you're not kegging beer along with wrapping Christmas gifts the night before you head over to your family's house, um, you want to get on this a little bit ahead of time. This beer is going to finish out fast in this fermenter. It's going to clarify quick in a secondary. You'll really kind of the long pull will be bottle conditioning um, or how long you want to sit it on spices. Um, so again, to spices too, keep it reserved. If you're trying to go through this beer fast, keep the spicing reserved. You might want to go, like we talked about making some tincture on rum or boiling some side spices in hot water, but keep the spicing low and that will help you get rid of this faster. Um, Again, if you don't go through it all, move it into bottles as quick as possible. If you, if you don't have a beer gun, you might want to add a little bit of sugar to the bottles to kind of renew a little bit of carbonation. I mean, really, what are the odds of you drinking this before next holiday season? So you're going to have to pack it for the long term. Right. Okay. So there are a couple things to kind of stay away from. We really said just about any style with backbone. Um but you want to stay away from beers with finishing hops. Um, the finishing hops, like a New England-style IPA holiday beer, is really not going to work. You are going to get some clash there. While hops don't really clash against each other, and bittering hops really uh, don't conflict with the flavor of the spices, the strong citrusy hops will often really kind of bite you. Um, you can put some of those, you know, same hops into the boil and you'll be okay. But if you have strong finishing hops, you're really going to have like problems having your spice come out cleanly. And you might kind of have, if you think of orange juice with cinnamon, you know what I mean? So often these kind of, you know, heavily dry hop beers are called orange juice because they have the big citrusy flavor with a sweet backbone. Um, think about, you know, orange juice and cinnamon. Right. Orange juice, it just, it doesn't quite work um those beers i don't even think want to be at the table at thanksgiving or christmas or they, it just feels like the wrong time of year altogether you got it. yeah and anytime too is i would always argue that beers like new england ipas or anything with very strong spicing as well um are beers that often aren't best consumed with a meal they're best consumed after the meal um and 
their strong flavors kind of mute your entire palate otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody wants to taste, you know, grandma's zucchini casserole with the full force of the flavor. So you want to keep the beer kind of light. And so if you're going to serve this at the table, that lower alcohol beer is really going to help you out, especially, again, with the light spicing. If you do a low alcohol beer, you do light spicing, a little bit of roasted notes. This is something you could potentially break out at the table. If you go for more of that high alcohol Belgian quad with kind of intense flavors. It's something planned to serve after the meal's over. Mm -hmm. All right. And so this is a big question that everybody always has is what to do about the spicing. Um, And there's the kind of usual suspects you can throw in there. Cinnamon, clove, nutmeg, that star anise. Be really careful with that star anise. Um, Vanilla, uh, allspice. uh, But start adding small. Um, add some to the boil. I usually work at like about the 20 or 30 minute mark with a lot of my spices with some stuff like, you know, sweet orange peel. I might add it just a little bit later. Um, but you're going to have a lot of options before you move it to a keg or bottle where you can try to add some of the spices late. Now this also leaves the potential to kind of make one of these side projects and just make a regular porter for yourself, put it on tap when you have people over, have this little jar ready of your you know spice extract, go down, fill a pitcher, put a measured amount in, maybe taste it a couple of times before you bring it back upstairs and now you've brought your kind of single use spice porter. You might be able to bottle the spice extract and even use it again next year. Um, so again, a lot of options. First one, easiest one, if you walk down that night and you try your beer out of secondary, you're getting ready to put it in bottles and it just doesn't have that luster and you didn't prepare, take the spices you feel like it needs and boil them in a small pot of water on the stove. Again, you're going for about 20, 30 minutes or until you can really, you know, smell a lot of flavor or smell a lot of aromas and you can take a little sample and taste a lot of flavor off of it. Once you start to get that, pull it off, cool it, strain it with a sanitized um, filter and then move it over. Uh, you can also steep them in the secondary. So if you're moving it over to secondary and you realize it doesn't really quite have, especially if it doesn't have enough aroma, this has got the best option. You can add more cinnamon, more vanilla, nutmeg, whatever you're trying to add right to the secondary. Is that a spot to be a little bit more careful about doing it because I of would. infection? infection but also because as you sit it in there you're going to get more and more flavor well you're going to get the most volatile volatile i'm sorry um aromas off first you're not going to get a lot more so you're going to start kind of giving bitter kind of twangy flavors later on so if you put them into the secondary you want to go back every say three days take out a little pipette sample and try it. And you might have to give it a mix because if some of your spices are floating up mm-hmm. to the top, you pipette right out of the top, you're going to get really concentrated spicing. Do you have a policy on whether or not you're putting it you're putting it straight in or in a bag? I know for, you know, you tend to think bags aren't always needed. I've had so many experiences where the bags end up getting stuff stuck in the car buoys. Now with like my different fermenters, I have a Chapman, for I monsters, have a Monster, no yeah, the, the, the PET bottles have a, a wider neck. I guess I'm just kind of old-fashioned with that because I had so many times you're trying to get a bag of hops, get a bag of spices out of the small neck of a five-gallon car buoy. It just frustrated me. There's another option to this if you want to do the bag, though. One method I like is doing the you know, a bag full of spices, or this also works for my New England IPAs, I'll do it in a bag in a keg because you have a big wide mouth. You can blanket it with CO2. I can taste it off the bottom. When I feel like I 
get the kind of flavors I want. I open up the top of the keg. I've usually attached the bag to the lid with a little bit of fishing line, and I go ahead and I just pull the spices, pull the hops out, and I've kind of used that as my kind of flavor control. And that's nice because you can do that really quick one night after work. All I got to do is bleed the pressure, pull out the lid, pull the spices, and I can, you know, put it right lid right back on, started carbonating. Whereas if I'm doing it in a carbuy and I'm doing loose spices, I have to rack it that night. I got to bottle it and that can be really inconvenient. So mm-hmm. if you have a kegging system, again, you're not listening to us. You're going for the, the kind of a little more lazy route here. You can put them in a bag into a keg and pull them out when the spicing kind of gets just right. But my favorite method to kind of make a spice, uh, extract here is to soak them in alcohol so to get some you know whiskey or to get especially some rum uh, and soak the spices in the rum and you can even bring this extract out to the table for folks to pour themselves so if somebody really likes spice beers and they're looking for a little bit of extra kit you bring the pitcher of porter you bring the small bottle of your extract uh, and they do a whole shot. You know what I mean? Somebody wants just a touch to have with their meal. You give them just a splash of your little spice extract here. Uh, and they have a one pint lightly spiced beer with a little bit, if you go for a really sweet rum with a little bit of added kind of sweetness than you would have had otherwise. So all these methods will make sure you have the right amount of spicing in your beer instead of pulling a recipe from online, trying to put all the spices right into the boil, right into the primary. Um, you can use your own taste buds to kind of find the right spicing level with all those different methods. Okay. So that's your crash course in spicing if you're going to make a beer for uh, the uh, holiday season, which is a great time to do it. It's also not a bad idea, like as you have family in town, you might have relatives that know you brew mm-hmm. and might be kind of interested in that. You know, like if people are going to be in town for an extra day, uh, you know, you have Thanksgiving on Thursday and then on Friday, hey, I'm going to brew a beer. Let's yeah. let's hang out, Dad or Uncle Bill or whatever. Or, yeah. You know. And if you're, if you're doing, um, like we said, the, the doing a cream ale will win you over some light beer fans. Doing a Christmas beer, strangely enough, will often win you over non-beer fans. So the people who are normally drinking sweet wine or, you know, mixed drinks, sometimes the spice beer is what they need to kind of push them to get them into drinking beer. One more time, the specials for today on Small Business Saturday. 10% off all startup kits, beer or wine. Um, and... That big grandfather, $200 off, 20% off a grandfather. That's this weekend. Um, we have some in stock, um, but we can always get more in. So you can pay for it now, get the discounted price, and we'll have it in in next week. Very good. That's it for us. We'll see you next week, and we wish you a happy holidays as uh, it is that season here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.